So we've been talking about moving with the Holy Spirit, and I should have had this open, but I'm not always on the ball, even though I think I am. Last week, we started talking about uh, kind of the, the, the move of the Holy Spirit within the church and where our, what's our playing field there. I want to back up and just say that um, we have been pursuing for the last couple months, pursuing the person of the Holy Spirit that I believe there's been so much confusion in the church, the whole church, as well as this church, on the manifestations of the Spirit. We've labeled them weird and crazy and wild and, and almost have, have desired to remove them when it comes to tongues and prophecy and, and spontaneous worship and, and uh, really just kind of a demonstrative worship that, that makes us uncomfortable. And I believe it's totally due to us not knowing the person of the Holy Spirit that if we know the Holy Spirit, then the move of the Spirit is not going to come as an uncomfortable shock. Now, it could be a little bit of a shock because it's so powerful. It's going to move us. It's going to do things that we in our own power cannot do. So is it going to be possibly uncomfortable? I don't know if that's a good word. It's just going to be different and magnified in a different way, but it should not be confusing or something that we would be afraid of or want to push away. And I believe that that's what's happened with the church. So I just want to say, as we're looking at kind of the, the playground rules for how the Spirit of God moves within the church, I want you to know it is in all caps, if I can say it, we are after the person of the Holy Spirit. And when we pursue God, God is going to come in all his power. If we have lost the power, then I believe that we are in some way missing God. And I believe the church, the global church, in some great way has lost the power of God because we have kind of, we've missed it. And it's my desire that we get after the creator and not what's created. Get after the creator and not the manifestations of the creator. Do you hear me? If we will get after the person, then the things of the person are not, we're not going to reject, we're going to receive. Amen? Are y'all with me? Okay, so let me just say, Jesus came on this earth, walked the earth, uh, healed the sick, did many miracles, died on the cross for our sins. The disciples watched this, then he said, I'm leaving. He left the man in the flesh, Jesus Christ, the man in the flesh, is no longer here. He is in heaven. And he sent us his spirit. So we are no longer following the man. We are following the spirit that is within us. When we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, we receive the spirit of Christ in us. And he left us that for us to follow. That we would not be following a man. There's no way that a billion people could be able to follow one man effectively. But we have his spirit, right? So as we follow that spirit, Jesus left, the disciples were left here, and they're like, oh, okay, now what are we going to do? They started setting up churches and immediately started having challenges. We saw the seven letters to the churches in Revelation. You should read those. But Paul came back in 1 Corinthians 14 and said, okay, spirit of God's moving. No doubt about it. God's moving in your church, but we're getting a little bit outside the box Let me come and give some instruction on how to stay within the kingdom. Let me give some kingdom guidelines, right? Are you all with me? All right. So here it comes. So I want to ask you, when you come into church, 
what does the church look like? Does the church today have the right effect on the world or does it have the wrong one? Now, speaking from my own testimony, I was brought up in a very traditional church. But because my parents uh, were spirit-filled and, and, and kind, of, kind of had, the, in my opinion, the best of both worlds, they took me to other uh, experiences, other meetings, other, other ways of what, what might we not be getting at this church. We went to other areas to receive. That was still our home church. That's where our tithe went. That's where our time and our service went but we would go and receive other places. Just like you would go read someone else's book or you might go to a conference or, you know, I realize you're not going to get 100% of what you need right here. Sometimes you've got to go get out and dig, right? Okay, so. But because I was raised in um, multiple settings, I have seen the stoic don't move. If you clap your hands, we're going to have a meeting and talk about how we're going to deal with the person that clapped his hands. Is this real or not? It's real. I know it is. I've watched it. But I've also been in the meetings that were just bonkers. I mean, wild. Screaming, yelling, flipping, flopping, running, dropping, swinging from the chandeliers. Now, I've never seen snakes, but I will tell you, you go out into the sticks far enough, you'll see them. It's wild. Some of it was real, some of it I questioned. As someone told me, one of my deacons told me about their former church in a place that they were at, someone would do back handsprings down the center aisle. I'm like, I don't have to have the Spirit of God tell me, get out of the way when that dude gets moving. Right? So, when, when the world comes into the church as well as the body, what effect is the church having in our community and on the world in the world when when people come in do they see crazy do they see loving or judgmental or forgiving what is being seen in the church you know if I stuck my head out of the aisle and the dude's doing back in springs I could get hurt and I want you to know I don't believe that the church is here to hurt people I don't believe the church is here to hurt people. And I want to ask you, have you ever been hurt in church? Don't raise your hand. I don't believe this is a place to come and be hurt. I believe it is a place to come and be healed and to receive hope and breakthrough and support and an ear to hear you cry, uh, an ear for, of mercy and compassion and answers. This should be a place of answers. Right? It's my desire that Church on the Hill be a place where the presence of the Lord is. Where the Spirit of God is. And where His people gather together to celebrate what He's done throughout the week. To bring up the challenges that you faced throughout the week as you've been ministering to people. To be able to hear His Word and experience His presence and His Spirit and to experience each other, that this is a place to come together and to be able to experience the presence of God as well as each other. Amen? Unfortunately, there's been so much confusion when it comes to the Holy Spirit. This is a recap from last week. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. 
as in all the churches of the saints. The New Living says, God is not a God of disorder, but of peace in all the meetings of God's people. I believe that whenever we come together as a church, it should be orderly. Now, God's order doesn't necessarily look like our order. So we've got to go to the Word and hear from the Spirit of what does His order look like. Because so many times in the church, in the American church, as well as outside, you go into church and there are crazy outbreaks. Just screaming and yelling and and shouting and wild stuff in church. Tongues, declarations, running, even wilder. I've seen it. But if it is addressed in a corrective way, then the church or the staff or the pastor is labeled with having a religious spirit. I want you to know I don't believe I have a religious spirit. I believe that I desire the presence of the Lord and the Holy Spirit to lead us along the guidelines of the kingdom when it comes to the church because I so desire the power of God to be back in the church that when you lay hands on the sick, they recover. And when you put your hands on somebody's blind eyes, the eyes see. This is what Jesus did. We are to do the same thing. So I'm not after stifling the move of God. I'm after releasing the move of God. Do you hear me? I think a few of you do. A few of you are thinking, "Uh uh-oh, what's he about to do? Hang in there with me. Talks about hindering the Holy Spirit and grieving the Holy Spirit. Now I want you to know there is a place for tongues. It's in the Word. You don't have to be afraid of it. There is a place for prophecy. And listen, there is a place for running. I love to run. I love it. It's the weirdest thing. I love to do it. But running through here and putting your life in danger is not the time. Okay. There is a time, but this should be a place of order, not disorder. A place of peace, not confusion. Awesome. Now, can I just tell you, this is exciting. This isn't a, oh God, he's going to bring a bunch of correction to the church. No! This is awesome. This is the Spirit of God trying to show us how to release the power of God in the church. That's what I'm for. So hang in there with me. But you'd say, but pastor, when the Spirit of God comes on me, I just got to do it. Can anybody relate? I just can't help it. Really? Let's deal with that. Does that happen to you at the dinner table? When you're sitting around with your family, do you have those outbursts? Does it happen to you at work? Can you imagine sitting in a room of 10 people and your bosses and coworkers and you just have a spirit outbreak? What would they do? They'd put you in straight jackets and haul you out. Wouldn't they? You'd, they'd address you. Is the spirit of God only able to manifest himself in that way at church? I want you to know that the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit are primarily for outside the church. They do happen inside the church. But we only spend an hour out of our, so many hours of our life in the church. The Spirit of God is not limited to only moving in the church. It should be moving outside the church. And us come in and talk about it. So, in that light, i got two principles. Paul says that the prophets can control their own spirits. Look at this scripture. I love this. This really spoke to me so clearly. I'm going to show you two translations. Remember that the people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can take turns. That's the new living. Here's the new King James. 
it says the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophet. What does that mean? That means when the spirit of God moves in you, it, that spirit is still subject to you. Do you catch that? When the spirit of God moves, you still have the ability to say yay or nay. You may say, oh, you don't know when the spirit moves in me. No, 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 no. The spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. Let me now double this on on the second principle. It says that we can quench the spirit. Have y'all read that scripture? If we can quench the spirit, then we somehow still have some type of control. Never does the Holy Spirit take over our free will. Never. We can choose to give that word or we can choose not to give it. The spirit of the prophet is under the control, is subject to the prophet, which means I can give that word with a lot of emotion or I can give that word with gentleness. Burton in his class has been talking about gentleness and kindness and how it is a decision. We have to clothe ourselves. We have a choice to make because sometimes people say things to me and my face wants to get red and get mad and I want to react with emotion. But the word of God tells me that I can operate in a spirit of gentleness. Why? Because that anger spirit is still subject to me. How many of you know you can react differently? Man, are y'all with me? So, Spirit of God moves on you, you still have a decision to make because that spirit is subject to you. My voice cracked. So let's combine these two things about we, can, we have, still have control and we are able to quench the spirit. It is possible to delay the manifestation of a spiritual gift to a better time without quenching the spirit. Did you hear me? Let me give you this. Uh, let me explain. The occasion on which you're given a gift is not necessarily the occasion for which you're supposed to use it. You with me? I want you to know so many times, I've told y'all here lately that the Spirit of God gives me sermon direction and wisdom for what I'm going to give to you on Sunday mornings while I'm running. If the Spirit of God has to be manifested at the time it's given, that word would never make it to you. I would be preaching to myself while I'm running. And let me tell you, I love to pray when I'm running. I love to pray in the Spirit and pray in the natural. I love to think about God and just talk to Him about things. But most of the time, I can't speak out of my mouth or I'll kill over because I lose my breath. I've tried. Oh, this is a great time for me to pray. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, I can't talk anymore. Shut up. Get in my mind. I'll start praying in my mind because I can't physically say it out loud. But the Spirit of God lays these words in my heart, and it's not for that time. It's for this morning. And you know why he gives it to me then? So that I have time to test it. So that I have time to take it to his word and take it to other people and run it by my wife and run it by Pastor Justin and Zach and say, what do you think? I think this is the Spirit of God. I can find it in His Word. Confirm it in me. Well, I don't know. It doesn't really line up with my spirit. Okay, why? And all of a sudden we get to process it, and that's how it makes it to you. I don't just take because I get a thought, do I start shouting it out to you? No, God's Word shows me I'm supposed to test it. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. 
But any time that someone receives a gift that overrides his free will and compels them to use it right away is not a gift from God. That is your emotionalism taking over. But pastor, when it comes on me, I just can't control it. Yes, you can. We see children at one or two years old that has not learned to control their emotions and they throw fits and it is up to a parent to help teach them to show them how to control those emotions and to express themselves in a different way. And you know what they can? I told you last week about my mom backhanding me. I learned to control my emotions. Can anybody relate to what I'm saying? But mom, I really wanted to say that. Well, you can say it in a different way or you can not say it at all. Oh, well, that hurts my feelings. Sorry. Well, you have a religious spirit. Bah, whoo! That religious spirit really kind of set me right where I was supposed to be. Are you with me? It doesn't mean it's de- demonic. It just means you need to control your emotions and let's line up that word from God. So many times when we have an emotional outbreak because we think it's the Spirit of God, it scares the unbeliever. It scares the unchurched. And in no way should a gift from God scare away an unbeliever. It should lead them to him. And is my bubble, is my reaction in a group setting causing somebody else to miss what it is that God's trying to say? How many of you know you act differently in a group than you do individually? You do. And it's appropriate. So, God does not override a person's free will, first. Second, God wants us to learn how to apply the gifts properly. And we cannot learn if we're not giving some discretion in the matter. Third, we are to test the spirits. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5. Let me get going. I'm going to get going kind of fast here. Every word of God is tested. How many words of God? Everybody say every. That includes yours. That includes mine. He is a shield of those who take refuge in him. I love that. He's saying if you'll take your word and apply it to him, to the word, to the spirit, you could, that's a safe place to take refuge in him. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19. Don't stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good and stay away from every kind of evil. Finally, 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 says, Dear friends, don't believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God, for there are many false prophets in the world. If you go and look continually into Scripture, it talks about the wolves among sheep. That's in the church. That's not outside the church. That's in the church. And there can be wolves in sheep's clothing. So every word has to be tested because people can be off. Anybody here ever thought they had a word from God and realized it wasn't God? That was me. (laughs) That was what I wanted. I thought it was you, God, but I did not line it up with your word. Or if I do get a word from you and I line it up with your word and it says, "Uh, that's not me, Uh, Okay, I have a tendency of sometimes making the word what I think it should be. But if I test it, God will prove himself to me. You with me? A spirit that says right now does not want to be tested and is therefore not from God. 
oh, you guys are just looking at me like, when is this going to end? A spirit that says right now does not want to be tested and is not from God. Fourth, if it's a gift from God, it will arrive in plenty of time for us to examine it and to know when to use it. Urgency is not a fruit of the spirit. Urgency is not a fruit of the spirit. The Holy Spirit's not thinking, oh God, they better hurry up and give that word or we're going to miss it. But wait, it's got to be tested. Oh, and there's got to be some time. He knows when to give it so that you can have time to test it. He's not going to circumvent his word and his instruction. God gives you a word, there's time to test it. Always, because it may not be him, we got to test it. Woo, I'm feeling good. (laughs) So Pastor Paul's on a roll, and I just said, I think I can illustrate this. Um, So I I do want to just attempt to illustrate this to you because um, I guess it was this week I was at school, and for those of you who don't know, I'm I'm an um, instructor at Tech, and um, you know the Lord has put me there, and I, I love that job. Um, I love that job for lots of reasons, but one of the reasons I love it the most is because I get to be with students, and I get to have relationships with them. And I I had a little girl come into my office, and I say a little girl. I mean these are young adults. Um, But, you know, when somebody starts sharing something with you, and right away, I get like a word. Like somebody can say something, and I'm like there thinking, this is what God's saying about this, in my head. And I can tell you, if I spout it out right away, I'll run people off. I'll do it every time. And so I sit there and listen, and I listen and I'm with this little girl and she's crying and she's talking and she's sharing and I'm just listening. And in my mind, I'm praying because I feel like I have this word, but I have to wait. It's exactly what he's saying, that that word of the Lord is in me and I'm waiting. And the Lord even begins to show me more things as I wait on him. And I wait for his timing. And you know what? Sure enough, the more she shares, the more this relationship is developing. And sure enough, the Lord opens the perfect opportunity for me to speak into her life. And I'm telling you, when that begins to happen, and I wait for that right timing, because I've done this before where I didn't wait for the right timing. You know, you just think, I know, this is what God's saying. But I waited And this just happened to me this week. I waited. And when I waited and when I began to speak into her life, she, it was like I could just see, thank you. And you know what I learned about her through this is I learned, number one, that she was a Christian. So I had freedom to be able to speak into her life. Because you know what? When somebody tells me that, I'm like, woohoo, I know what I get to do. Because we're fellow believers. And so I began to speak the word of the Lord into her life and I could see that heaviness and that burden begin to lift. And then, you know what? I was able to pray with her. 
And by the time we got finished, she looked at me and she said, thank you. Thank you so much. We hugged. She's going to make it. God's got a good plan for her. But if I didn't wait on God, if I didn't wait for the right time and I just rammed my way through, you know what? Sometimes it's casualties. So we got to be patient and we got to wait for God to say when. Because I think we get it. We get it. We got to wait. That help? Yeah. Amen. That's a great word. Thank you. Amen. So let me just say, even as she's just talked about waiting, there is a time for urgency. There is a time that things need to be done urgently. Um, come Christmas, we're going to probably have candles lit up here. And if we set the piano on fire, somebody please move. Don't sit there and go, oh God, we need to test this. I feel like the Spirit of God's telling me to go put that fire out. But let me test it. God, is it in your word about a piano burning on stage? No, when the situation requires it, sometimes it requires urgency. But if you've got a, a word from the Lord and we're going to go over some checkpoints and they all check out, then you've got to look at what's happening on stage. Are we doing baby dedications? Is there a drama going on? Can this wait until this thing ends? Because it can. God's not going to fly off. He's going to know the perfect time for this to be given. So I want to encourage you. Like a gift, God gives us this gift. Have you ever gotten a gift at Christmas and it was a summer gift and you couldn't use it right away? Have you ever gotten a bathing suit at Christmas? And you don't go swimming the next day, right? Unless you're my son. Do we have that? And he puts on a swimsuit and goes out in the snow. And you know, that's just not wisdom. Don't believe that was the Holy Spirit. But I want you to know sometimes the timing does not call for it, right? You get a word, and maybe that word is for you to pray. Someone gives you a word about them being in an adulterous affair, and you don't have to go show up at their doorstep and say, I know you big heathen sinner, why don't you go get your life together and go repent? No, you're probably just called to pray. Let the Lord give you that next step and that open door to be able to speak into that person's life. Do you hear me? Most words that you get are going to be a call to prayer. It's always a call to the Lord to say, is this of you? And show me in your word. But if the manifestation or the gift overwhelms you to the point you can't stop it and can't control it, and it overrides your self-control, the emotionalism is not God, it's you. One of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. And God will not toss that one out because he wants you to give a give a spontaneous word at that moment that disrupts everything. No, you have self-control. Amen? All right. Well, let's take a look um, real quick at 1 Corinthians 14. And let me just say, we are not a stick-in-the-mud worshiping church. We are an incredible worshiping church that knows how to lift up the name of the Lord, knows how to usher in the presence of God, knows how to spontaneously worship, don't we? Yes or no? Do we know how to worship? I think we do. It's what attracted me to this church. And you may not know this. I'm a worshiper. 
I love worship. I love the woo-woo worship. I don't just love to sing three songs and sit down and let's go home. No, I love the worship that gets me to my knees and breaks me in half and the Lord can just really deal with my heart. I mean real. The presence of the Lord falling so heavy that we have to stop what we're doing. I am not after stifling anything in this place. I am after the Spirit of God moving. 1 Corinthians 14, I'm going to close with this scripture and then I'm going to go over some steps and we're going to get out of here. It says, well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation God has given, one will speak in tongues, another will interpret what is said, but everything that is done must strengthen all of you. No more than two or three should speak in tongues. They should speak one at a time, and someone must interpret what they say. But if no one is present to interpret, they must be silent in your church meeting and speak in tongues to God privately. But what if the Spirit's moving over me? I just can't contain it. Contain it. Contain it. Tell your husband, lay hands on me. I can't contain it. Tell your wife, hey, I'm about to blow a top. Hang on to me. Let two or three people prophesy and the others evaluate what is said. But if someone is prophesying and another person receives a revelation from the Lord, the one who is speaking must stop. Now, I would think the one who is speaking should finish and the other one should wait. But it says the one who's speaking can stop. That means if it's welled up in you and you're all red in the face and sweating like crazy and you're prophesying and giving it to the devil, giving it to the church, letting her rip, and someone else stands up, oh. Wait a minute, I don't know if I'll remember. Well, that's up to God. Okay, I'm back. Do you see that? The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Everybody say amen. In this way, all who prophesy will have a turn to speak. There is a place for prophecy in the church. Do you hear me? There is a place for tongues and interpretations in the church. One after the other. So that everyone will learn and be encouraged. Remember that the people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can take turns. God is not a God of disorder but of peace. In all the meetings of God, God's holy people. So... This includes words, tongues, declarations, uh, spontaneous worship, demonstrative worship. It includes it all. If you're not willing for it to be tested, don't give it. Boy, that came across great. All right, so steps. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is the fruit of the Spirit. It is with that Spirit that we give a word. So if you're sitting in the pew and during worship, usually it's during worship, that the Lord gives you a word. Step number one, is this God? Is this God? How do I know? You get in the word, you listen to the Holy Spirit, you talk to some other people. So if you don't have an answer, I don't know if this is God, then wait and test it. It may be for next Sunday. It may be for Sunday school class, right? Is this God? Number two, is it just for me? How many of you know so many times you get words that are just for you? So many times you get a word that's for your spouse or for your family or for your friend. Is this just for me? If it is, 
kind of keep it to yourself. Third, is it for the whole church? So, if we've checked those boxes off, yes, it's God. Yes, it's not just for me. It is for the whole church. Okay. Is it for right now? Is this for this moment right now? If you can check off all four boxes, finally, let it be tested. Come up to a pastor, come up to my wife, and run it by them. We're not just going to give anyone the microphone to be able to shout out whatever it is that you want to shout out. No matter how well I know you. Why do I want it over a microphone and, and tested? Because when you give it, I want to hear it. We've had so many declarations and we've had tongues and interpretations that I can't hear. And if I can't hear them, you can't hear them. And can I tell you that the manifest word of God, the rhema word that's given to the church, trumps everything else that goes on in this place. And I want to hear it. I want it recorded and I want to go back and hear it because there's been so many prophetic words that were of God that I can't remember what all was said. But I want to hear it. I want to listen to it. I want the staff to go back over it. Paul Wilbur gave this incredible word years ago that we've gone back and listened to over and over and over because we need to rehear it. It's why the word of God was written down so that we could go back and read it and read it and read it. And I want to be able to hear it. And then when it meets all those criteria, give it. This is a safe place for the Spirit of God to move. That includes spontaneous worship. It includes it all. You know, I, we've got such a, uh, a wonderful uh, spontaneous dancing worship worshiper uh, in Grace Miller that's just incredible. And when that happens, I want to get up before the church and say, hey, this is about to happen, and I encourage you all to dance. And I believe what grace has to offer in spontaneous dance can cause the roof to come off of this place. It is the most beautiful thing. But I can't stop one person from dancing and let that one go. We've got to test it and put it before the Lord and then us all understand it and then us all go together. Amen? Amen. I am so excited about how the Spirit of God's going to move in this place. And I want to encourage you that if we make mistakes, we're going to do our best to fix them. We don't have everything together. We're trying. But I'm so desiring that when these prophetic words are given, that we hear it and that we respond to it. You may say there, sometimes the, the, the worship team will give prophetic words, give a spontaneous worship. I want you to know that they fall under that same covering and that Pastor Zach and myself have given them the freedom to give that spontaneous worship when they have it. They know how to give it. They know when to give it. And they know when not to give it. So it's not like that they have free reign up here. They don't. They come under authority also. But can we come together? Do you know I believe we're going to have another um, uh, upper room? Not another, but multiple upper room moments because they came together as one. And when we come together as one, the Spirit of God will move. And He moved in a wild way. Do it again, Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, we just ask for your spirit. We just ask for wisdom and instruction. Lord, I just ask that this body would pray for their pastors and that we would have wisdom, that we would be led by you in spirit and in truth. And Father God, I just ask right now that the spirit of God come back into the church, that the blind would see, that the deaf would hear, that the mute would speak, that the lame would walk. Lord, that the marriages would be restored. Lord, that families would be restored, that our children would be set free of addiction. Lord, that we would be set free of, uh, uh, of depression and of rejection. Lord, I just pray that the Spirit of God would just return to the church.
Can you guys say amen? Do you desire the Spirit of God? Lord, I come against stifling the Holy Spirit and quenching the Spirit, that this would not be that place, that this would be a place that the Spirit would move freely according to your word, and that we would come together as one. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We just worship you. Will you just stand up with me? We're just going to worship. Would you just give the Lord your worship right now? Your name, your name, come on, your name.